welcome to the Platform Podcast, where we talk to coaches, athletes, experts, and real people to learn about their approaches to training, nutrition, mindset, and much more. I am your host, Jordan Kundi Wright, founder and head coach of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, and I'm on a mission to help others build sustainable, healthy lifestyles. My guest this week is Jonah Mitchell, owner of Jonah Mitchell Fitness, and in this episode, we get into how we met. Um, what it's like walking off the football field for the last time and why that's so difficult for so many athletes as well as Jonah's journey um, after football and now how he helps former and current athletes uh, today. So if you're listening, I want to take a second to say that I'm incredibly grateful that you listen to this podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the platform podcast in your app of choice. And please support my work by supporting our sponsors whose affiliate links you'll find in the episode notes. And if you want to step on the platform and compete in kettlebell sport, please reach out to me. I help athletes of all levels reach their goals without wasting time using my integrated coaching approach. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Twin Cities Kettlebell Club or email me at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. Now, let's step onto the platform with Jonah Mitchell. All right, welcome into this episode of the Platform Podcast. I am incredibly excited to bring on my new friend, Jonah Mitchell. He is the owner of Jonah Mitchell Fitness. He is a certified personal trainer. He is a nutrition coach. And uh, just, I think I officially dubbed him a certified professional badass. Um, so I'm really glad to, I'm really glad to have him on. Uh, Jonah, thanks for coming on, brother. Thank you, Jordan. Like, like, uh, like you said, it's really awesome that we connected lat basically last night and we just hit it off. So I'm very happy to do this with you. Yeah. It's really like, like we were talking about this yesterday. Like it's the, the, the double-edged sword of social media, right? Like you and I both kind of have this similar, like love hate relationship with social media because it can be such a black hole of negativity and like trolling on people and people hating on you and what have you. But it can also be like this wonderful vehicle to connect with people. And if you, if you like get the opportunity to, to meet somebody and connect with somebody and it, and it goes, well, you're like, Oh, this is why this shit exists. Like, this is why it got so popular in the first place. Because like for people to have the backstory, Jonah posted a, a post on Facebook. We're in some similar, similar circles. You know, we, we connect, you know, nutrition coaching circles, you you know, on Facebook, a lot of groups. And, and he, he put a post out about what it's like to, what it's like to, to leave playing football, the playing the football field for the last time. And I literally teared up. Like I read his post and I literally got tears. Like, you know, it got dusty in my office. Okay. So, <laughs> um, and so I reached, I put, po I posted, I posted on his, on his feed. I was like, bro, I got to have you on my podcast because this is such a huge part of my story. And I, I want to have you on my podcast. And so we just connected last night. We ended up talking for like 40 minutes and he was like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> why we didn't just press record <laughs> so we, we really got to know each other a little bit last night and like just immediately hit it off and that's like the cool part of social media right like when you when you get that opportunity and like you actually connect with somebody that that like you're like okay you're my people right like yeah like, like straight away like that was that was super super cool so uh how often are you on social media like do you do you go on every day and is it like do you like block time or is it like a time suck for you or is it like only like once a week or like how often are you on there 
sadly I'm on there every day. Um, but it's an, it's a necessary evil, you know, you, you know, the whole thing, but I'm actually learning to love it as I learned to like build communities and provide value for many people. Um, it's, it was definitely a chore when I first started like doing all this stuff on my own, like last year, that was, oh, that was like getting way out of my comfort zone. Like, oh God, now I have to expose who I am to all these <laughs> random people. Now that I've done it for so long, it's like, like, I, I really enjoy it because the people I do connect with, like I connect with coaches and, I, and we do cool stuff like this. I connect with people who just need help with their nutrition or fitness. Like it's an awesome tool. But like that being said, it's a double-edged sword. Just today, I was randomly scrolling through stories and I found this guy who's just taking my posts and putting them on his story and putting his name on it. So oh, nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, just so you know, I've started photoshopping my face onto your body. Um, so <laughs> just don't be surprised. I'm going to start branding some stuff that's like, hey, if you want abs like these, uh, <laughs> get into kettlebell sport right people, now. People won't even notice like the skin tone difference or anything. They'll just be like, my super pale face, and you're like tan, six pack abs. Like, nobody, nobody will notice that. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's don't, fine. Don't no one cares. No one this cares. is fine. This is fine. Don't worry about it. Dude, that's, that sucks. Flattered. I'm just flattered. <laughs> well, dude, you're, like your your profile picture, you're freaking ripped, man. Like you are you are you are shredded in your profile pictures. So like that is that just how you walk around? Like do you just walk around ripped? <laughs> no, no. Pop, contrary to popular belief, that is me flexing as hard as I possibly can. <laughs> um, like most of my pictures are. Uh, but thank you, I do appreciate it. It was definitely a, a long road. I mean, like. But the reason I got into fitness and nutrition coaching was because I struggled so much myself. And now that I'm actually at the part where like you're throwing like at praise at me, I'm like, Oh God, I, I just do what I'm just doing my best, man. But yeah, yeah. It, like I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And then when I kind of, when it clicked for me, I was like, I got to help other people do this, you know, whether it's to get abs or to just be healthy or to be crazy and do kettlebell sport like you, like, <laughs> uh that, that's the fun of it man it's so much yeah. nuance it's so it's just oh, it's, uh, i love it so how do you how do you how do you react when somebody when somebody when somebody steals your stuff because like the guy took your post and like there's like i, I hear there's two ways to go about it well there's more than two ways but like the way it in my mind it's like the the old like lizard brain caveman of me is like smash that mofo like cease and desist <laughs> sue him show up at his door beat the shit out of him like and then there's like the the high road that's like hey it's it's flattery and like he's not going to be able to keep up with the rate at which you're creating connection and, and like creating content so like just ignore it and let it go mm -hmm. and don't waste your time and energy going into a negative space like there's yeah. probably something there's probably something in between there too like but uh i'm curious what what uh, was your reaction when you when you saw that me personally it was the the former of the two or the, yeah the former where i looked at it i was like this is hilarious like he thought it was that good that he wanted to put it on his thing. So I was like, oh, sh like my, my wife, uh, she helps me a lot with my back office stuff and a lot of like helps me with a lot of social media. So when she saw it, she was pissed. Like yeah. she was like, that's our stuff. What the hell is he doing? <laughs> like she messaged him and all this stuff. And I'm sitting here laughing like this is kind of like, like, damn, like, cool, man. Like, I'm glad you're taking my stuff. and You find value. You want to share it with other people. But I mean, this at least tag me in it, you know, just yeah, like, that's, that's the thing, man. It's like, 
I'm such a, I'm such a like rising tide floats all boats. And like, there's such an abundance of people that need help. Like if you think that you got to steal somebody else's content and not give them credit for it, like what you think we're running out of people that need help losing weight in America? Like, are you not paying attention? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm, I, I really, I really don't understand that, but I feel like it probably comes from a place of insecurity and somebody being like, they don't feel like they can create enough value themselves that they're like, they're just going to, they're just going to steal somebody else's stuff. Cause I, I feel like it has to come from a place of insecurity or like not believing in themselves enough, or maybe they're just trying to make a quick buck in the space. And there's a lot of people that do that too, unfortunately. But uh, you know, I feel like it's got to come from uh, giving the benefit of the doubt. I say it's not malicious. It's just like insecure. Right. I, like, I did a little research on his account uh, and it looked, it wasn't as malicious as it, as it sounds, you know what I mean? Like most of yeah. my stuff has my face in it. So it'd be really, really hard to, to cut, cut that out, but. <laughs> it's the, not that the, hard, trust me, you'll see. Uh, <laughs> fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, but I think it was just like, he saw it as like, oh, that's a great message. I'm just gonna throw it up there and no harm, no foul. Like I, it was it was pure chance that I was gonna ever see it. You know, it was yeah. just, it was lucky, um, but. I mean, I'd rather connect with that person. And like you said, there's, there's, there needs to be more coaches out here helping people uh, because like, there's not, a, there's not a shortage of unhealthy people right now. I mean, I think yeah. the, the current number is 44% of the U S population is obese. Like we're yeah. almost to the point that there are more obese people than there are not. And that yeah. is a huge issue, you know? It's yeah. Like, well, when you say, when you take it in the, like they say obese and overweight, it starts getting like 60, it starts getting yeah, to like, like 60%, 60 where it's like, it's like more people are unhealthy than at an unhealthy weight than a healthy weight, you know? And that's yeah. uh, sad and scary. And honestly, like uh, when we look at it from like a, you know, a national well-being, it's like an existential threat as well. Like you look at in, you know, we're in the middle of the pandemic and you know, one of the reasons that we're leading the world in deaths is because we have a very unhealthy population that this, this virus does a lot of damage to, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, uh, that's a, that's a, a sad state of affairs, but, you know, that's, I don't know, that's why we do what we do, right? That's why you, that's, that's why you, that's why you got, got into this space. So exactly. Um, Tell, tell me a little bit more about your like origin story, right? Let's, let's go back. Like, um, obviously you were a baller. So when did, when did you, when did you start playing the, the brutal chess match that is football and uh, how long did you play and, you know, take us through that journey? Dude. All right. Let, let's, let's, un, let's, un, let's dust off the, the old memory box here. Uh, <laughs> strap I, up the chin strap. Yeah. Grab oh, the mouth man. guard. Dude, that was, I started playing football. Actually, football was the last sport I got into. Like the first sports I started playing, well, the first sport I ever got into technically was karate. And I was a really short, really chunky, unathletic kid. And my mom's like, yeah, go do karate. And the kids around there were like doing jump kicks and spinning back fists. And I was like, what? <laughs> I do not belong here. Then it went from that to like soccer. And then uh, there was a little bit of time I was in gymnastics again, like that didn't work. But football was the last one that I got put into when I was in second grade. So eight, seven or eight, it was when I really started. And I was horrified of football, like for a very long time. Like I had no idea what to expect. Um, I started as an offensive lineman because I was just short and slow. But after the first game, that and I like got to actually hit someone. 
that that was like the first game. Like I was mortified. I was like terrified. Like ah, I don't know what to do. But then I actually got to hit somebody. I was like, oh wow, this was. I didn't know at the time, but it was really stress relieving. So that's where it like started my my love for football. So I carried that, and I ended up being a three sport athlete. I grew a foot and a half in going into high school. Lost all the all the weight, and actually was able to do some athletic stuff. So I moved to tight end and defensive end, and then I played baseball. Uh, ran track and I played I, I use air quotes for played basketball because I was terrible terrible <laughs> <laughs> like, I wish they gave me more fouls because basically I fouled out every game I, so I, I I have I have a similar experience with basketball I, as a fresh <laughs> as a freshman um I at one point in a summer league game I I shot a three and I missed I was a decent shooter but I shot a three and I missed and our coach during the next timeout was like all right Jordan I want you to go set a screen and then, in, and then work in the post. And if somebody, if somebody gets you a pass down there, I want you to pass it and then go set another screen. And if somebody <laughs> shoots, I want you to get a rebound and pass it and go set another screen. <laughs> he was, all he wanted me to do was, was block on the, on the basketball field or on the basketball court, rebound, pass the ball to other players, and then go just keep, you know, keep setting screens. Like that's, that's all he I, wanted me to do. Like rebound, dude, rebound, yes. pass, set screens, and then go play defense. Like that was all he wanted me to do. Dude, and I was like, yeah, maybe, great. maybe, Basketball, basketball maybe basketball is not for me. <laughs> well, yeah, that we would be great postmen. We just give it to the other three guys who could actually score points. We'll get them the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. A similar uh, like, experience. That's funny. Yeah, that's funny. But anyway, yeah. So I carried. I I stopped playing my other sports. Carried football all the way through college. Uh, played at a D two school in the mountains here in Colorado. Uh, played defensive end. I was a three. I, I started the last three years of my career. Um, and I how, how, had... how big, how big were you at your playing weight? Oh, so when I got to college, I was 185 as a defensive end. Yeah. I, I was huh. small. I was really small. And then I'm, tra I'm trapping your ass all game. I'm letting you get upfield and I am, I am oh. straight up waylaying oh you, man. Oh my God. Wait until I get to long. the story. Wait until I get to the story of my, of my uh, defensive coordinator, my, my sophomore to senior year. Oh, he. The shit he made me do was awful. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that first summer I put on uh, 20 pounds. So I got up to 205. I felt a lot better. I was actually able to do something. Um, but then after my redshirt year, I basically hovered around 215 and 220 up until my senior year where I put on an extra 30 pounds. I played at 245. Okay. And that was actually when I started to learn the importance of food and understanding your nutrition because I thought I was eating a lot, but in college you're burning a shit ton of calories yeah. all the time. And I was not eating enough. Like I know that for a fact. Yeah. But so my senior year, when I got up to 245, 250, I was eating six, seven times a day. I was actually putting on weight. I was working out five to six times a week. I was like, I felt like I was in the best shape of my life. And that season like the first six games, I felt I had the energy, I had the strength, I had I had very little injuries going that prior to my uh, previous seasons where I was undersized, getting hit all all the time, like by these three hundred pound dudes, like like just tossing me around. And the fact we played a three uh, three three five, 
And okay. I was a head up four technique. So oh like no! Basically, yeah, I was gonna, yeah. I was gonna ask if I was gonna ask if that size, if you were like a rush end and a like a stand up rush end and a three four, like that would make sense to me because you get to mm. you get to use your speed and and it's okay to be a little bit smaller, but a, a, a straight up four technique head up on the straight tackle, like four. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. Like, what was your D coordinator? That you were a sacrificial lamb, man. You exactly. were a cannon fodder. <laughs> Oh, sorry. It gets me so aggravated. But when they when I got up there, they said, "Yeah, you're gonna be a stand up end. You're just gonna pass rush. You're gonna like just seal off the edge." I was like, "Cool. That's what I did in high school. I'm ready to go." Then I get there, and it's a uh, head up four. And then you're you're basically my D coordinator was also a linebackers coach, and he was like, "Your job is to let the linebackers make the tackles." Yep. And I was like, "What? Like I didn't sign up for this." <laughs> and so it was it was it was a head up four. And a three technique. So I was either on a one-on-one -on -one or I was getting double teamed and I had zero leverage. The only yeah. time I was ever allowed to be in a five was third and long. That was it. That was it. Um, oh. Yeah, I had a rough time. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. I feel it, you for know? you. I feel for you, man. Like your coach did not do you any favors, bro. Like no. that, that is not. But of course, he's letting the linebacker shine. And I, in high school, I was a I was a center and a nose guard. And I played a straight up zero technique, you know, um, because I had an all state middle linebacker right behind me. And that it kind of made sense. It was like, hey, you're big. You take up these two guys and just let Jimmy go tackle the world. And it was like, OK, that makes sense. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I that's fine. I'm, that. good. I'm good with that, you know, because it made sense. Like, that was my strength. Like, I'm big. I can I can eat space and push guys back and let Jimmy run and make tackles. Okay, that makes sense. But like, for, <laughs> for you to be an undersized DN and they're like, hey, stand, you know, straight in front of this 300-pound guy and just try and keep him from moving you. Good luck. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, can, I can complain, but I was actually very fortunate to be a starter in that position, even though I wasn't I, – I, I wasn't in my perceived – optimal spot to succeed i still even though i was not happy about it i still did my best to try and make as many plays as i could now disagree I, and commit right disagree yeah, and commit you know, like I, I actually had got many arguments with my d coordinator like i told him to go fuck himself at practice that like <laughs> that didn't end very well but after i did that he started respecting me a little bit more. He's very old school. And yeah. I, I still I, I don't know if he'll ever listen to this, but I still have a lot of respect for him. Um because he did like make turn our defense into the number one defense the first year he was there um, in, in the RMAC conference. So that was super cool. Um, and my, my D-line coach was always a, a great guy too. So I had really good coaches in the long run, even though it wasn't where I wanted to be uh, position-wise, I tried to make the most of it. Um, nice. And I've definitely had a very mediocre career. And that kind of goes into why I felt so devastated when I lost football it was like I didn't achieve anything that I wanted to you know I, I wanted to be a 10 plus sack all-state all-american player and I never did that I mean the most sacks I ever had in the season was four and a half like and then after I finished and I was like I'm going to try and go professionally I had no foundation to even consider going professionally but I was still stubborn to not even accept the fact that I want to leave this sport you yeah. know so then I try out for the Canadian Football League. I try out for the NFL. And I, I mean, there's still, there's a lot, of, there's a couple uh, stories in there about the training I was doing for that. And man, it was, it was a rough time. I still, I still am kind of like, I, I feel myself choking up thinking about it right now. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, so I mean, I mean, you think about it like you, you started about the same age I did, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you started super young. You're 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 seven, eight years old, nine years old when you first put the pads on. You play all the time, you know, your entire life revolves around sports, you know, and, and multiple sports in high school. And then you get to college. And did you play any other sports in college or was it all football? It was all football. Yeah. All so football. like that, that's your life for four years, right? Like that's, you know, studying obviously is, is part of it as well. But like, yeah. if you're, if you're like, if you're like a lot of guys, like you study so that you can keep your grades up so that you can play ball. Yep. <laughs> right. Like that was that, that was the motivation for a lot of, for, for, for a lot of, for a lot of guys, right. It was like, just stay eligible so you can keep playing ball. And then all of a sudden, like what's been your identity for 10 plus years of your life gone. Gone. snap of the fingers it's, it's over right you're not yeah. a football player you're not a football player anymore jonah what do you do who are you dude <laughs> right like that's <laughs> that's like such a huge that's such a huge thing it sounds like you and you were like no 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 no, no. i don't accept that i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep going after this i'm still i'm still gonna play ball right and like so so what is that what is that like how do you how did that journey affect you like tell oh. us a little bit about that tell us a little bit about that okay so after college and I did my try. I trained for three months at a facility in Centennial or Denver, Colorado, um, to prepare for those pro days. And I went to Vegas and uh, Texas to try out for my pro days. And I didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks. Right. Then I'm at, I'm working after after I don't hear anything. This this training facility offers me a job as a personal trainer. So like just to keep me occupied, I start training young athletes just waiting for to hear a response and i'm having lunch one day and i get an email and it's like a it's a video response and it was 10 seconds and it said hi jonah thank you for all your efforts but we will no longer be pursuing you for the canadian roughnecks or the other the couple of teams that i tried out for and didn't even hear anything from the, the nfl scouts that i had been in contact with so after i got that email i just sat there like i had no emotion like I didn't know to be, I wasn't happy. I wasn't sad. I was just empty. And I, I felt empty for about six months. It was rough, man. Like yeah. I had lost like that entire drive, that entire feeling of, of a belonging because my, like, like in, like in the post, if you, if you guys listening, haven't read it yet. Um, I felt so lost in that six months. And it was so aggravating because I didn't know what was wrong with me. You know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who the hell I was. And it wasn't until like, I started getting my groove of personal training. I had to, uh, oh, this is another story, but that person, that first personal training job I had was not good. Like that environment was not good for me. They didn't let me get any sort of, they didn't require me to have any certifications. And the guys who tried to teach me, I just couldn't really pick up the pieces. And it was just a very, like on top of me being basically depressed uh, from losing football, I was also in a negative envi- workspace environment that was that had to be there for 12 hours every single day. And I wasn't having any fun. So mm. I was lost, beyond lost. I was like a, a hollow shell of who I was until I actually started, took the time to, I, I quit that job and I got certifications and personal training and started making and connecting the dots of where I was lacking in my own um my own sporting career like even though i tried my best in the weight room and on the field i was the most stiff human being ever i had the worst movement on the entire planet like all my joints were in agonizing pain 
And I never knew why. I just did it. I just thought that was the thing that you did because we played football. Yeah, because football's hard on your body. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it was like you just sacrifice it for the the greater good of the sport. You tell your coach like, "Hey, I'm really sore," and they're like, "Yeah, of course you are." Yeah, it's football. (laughs) Keep going. Yeah, yeah. That's that's it. Like that's the that's yeah. Good job. Okay, hit the ice tub, and we'll see you back out there tomorrow. Yeah, bang your head against this guy on the the next play. You're gonna be fine. Yeah. So as I started to break down my own movements, I was like, man, this makes sense why I sucked. Like why my, my career was so mediocre. And I found my passion again in correcting my own movements. And I like, I started to feel better. I started to enjoy weightlifting. And I was like, oh my God, like this is what it feels like to move without pain. Like, holy shit. And that idea of like, man, I can optimize my performance by focusing on little tiny things that are outside of practice. So I began to start reigniting my love for competition by figuring out how I can improve my performance, even though I didn't have uh, a sport to improve for, but I was still learning a lot. And I was training at 24 hour fitness and I had this high school athlete come up to me, football player, wanted to put on weight and I watched him squat. I watched him deadlift. I watched him bench and he had no idea what he was doing, but everything I saw in him was what I saw in myself. He, all he had was his high school coach telling him to do this, do that, and the other thing, but not telling him why or fixing mm-hmm. his movements. So when he came to me, it's like, dude, my knees are killing me. And I fixed his movements. And he was like, holy crap. Like, since we've been doing this for like the last three weeks, I've been running faster. I feel a lot better. And I'm like, that's where I made another connection. I was like, holy crap, I can help people do this. <laughs> nice. So that's where that's where the, the spark got ignited. I, I started analyzing myself and I helped that high school athlete and I started reinventing myself. Like one of my old trainers, he said, if you can't do, you teach, you know? And since I, I, I my entire, I consider my football career a failure because I learned so much after it all. And I've continued to learn so much that after that that six months of depression and anxiety of like, I don't know who I am, I started to rebuild. Like I started to re-recognize myself as the athlete's coach, but I didn't, I didn't know it at the time. Like it's just until very recently, I didn't realize that how many athletes I, I generally just attract because of my background. Mm. Um, so I don't wanna be very roundabout in this explanation, but it took a lot of introspection to understand that I still can compete on my, I I can compete by improving myself. If I improve myself, I learn more. I can share that knowledge. If I share that knowledge, I can help other people improve their performance and expand their, my impact or their impact in their sport. And I impact them on a, a much bigger level. And as I help, as I undercover more layers of myself, I find other pieces that held me back emotionally, physically. There's a lot that I've kind of went through uh in in this in this in this experience and i try to connect that to other athletes as well because we don't understand well we don't always understand like the the relationships we have within ourselves that we hide behind our sport and if we can kind of unlock those things and that i think that's where uh, uh, you can unlock your true potential you know it what do you Does mean? Give, 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 give me an, I, I think I track what you're saying, but give me an example, like render, render it explicit with an example. Like, what do you mean when you say we hide the relationships that we have within ourselves behind our sport? Cause I, I know that I, I hit a lot of uh, shame and feeling of inadequacy behind see, searching 
out achievement, right? I was going to be the best football player I could be. I was going to, I was going to achieve, I was going to maximize my physical potential and get squeeze every ounce I could out of my talent. And that was so that I, you know, that like I, my dad would be proud of me and my coaches would be proud of me and people would, would be like, Oh, he, like he, he did it right. Like, so I, that was, you know, my, my experience with it. Is that what you're getting at? Like, give me, give me an example from, from your, from your experience. That is definitely what I'm getting at, especially football for me was the only way I got praise from my mom. I don't know my dad. So my coaches were a lot of time were my dad and the, the man my mom did marry was a deadbeat shitbird. Um, mm. So like getting away from them and doing well in football, I got a pray. I got praise from my mom, which I would never, I didn't really get much of. But she was also a young mom. I don't have any resentment towards my mom. Um, but my insecurity was, I hid my insecurities of not getting enough attention as a kid. I mean, that sounds uh, kind of foo-foo if you think about it. But no, it not was at something all. that we all we all we all we all want that that's that's normal yeah. that's that's a basic human need right to have mm -hmm. to have adoration and to have connection and especially with your parents right so like yeah that, that makes total sense it's a normal human drive yeah so that was something I, I didn't I couldn't identify that until two and a half years ago mm. because I hid behind it through football I don't know what I couldn't ever tell you why I love football so much. Like someone like, why do you like football? I just love the sport. But it was because I was hiding from my insecurities of, of a lack of a, a lack of adoration or I was hiding from the insecurity of my, my self, my self image. Like I, I hated myself for a long time, but I was able to hide that through football, like mm. football, literally were you a different person on the foot. Were you a different person on the football field in your mind? Right. Did you have kind of like an alter, an alter persona on the football field? Yes, definitely. And that person, I felt like was, I was not a very talk, I, I wasn't a big talker in football. I was very I mean, focused, very stoic. Like, I don't care what happens. Like, you would kick my ass, I'm going to get back up, and I'm not going to, you're not going to see anything. You're not going to see me pants. You're not going to see me in agony. You're not going to see me mad. I'm just get back up and line up and like nothing happened. Like, very quick memory. Uh, or, 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 um, Short memory. Yeah, short memory. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and that person I, I always admired because he was only on when the helmets were when the helmets were on and we were in practice or in the game. And that person was emotionless, like nothing affected him hmm. other than what he needed to do. And I, I was running from my emotions for a very long time. Like, I'm going to get a little personal with you, Jordan. I was suicidal in high school and in some parts in, in college, especially when football wasn't in. I was especially suicidal in college when I tore my MCL and I was out for um, six, six weeks to six to 12 weeks. I can't remember the actual duration, but I couldn't get out of bed. And I was just like, you had a similar injury, like hobbling to practice is like the most depressing thing ever when you know you yeah. should be out there. Yeah, and you see your boys out there and you just want all you all you want is to be out on the field cracking heads yeah yeah and it's it, it, without football i was so vulnerable to the things i've always run, run away from and this kind of goes back to like when it's gone that emptiness you feel is way more intrinsic intrinsically tied to other things than most people you know, most athletes ever really 
realize, you know, I mean, yeah. just having this conversation with you, I'm uncovering a bunch of other friggin' emotions <laughs> that I haven't had to deal with in a long time. It's, and, it's, I find it really interesting that like you're, you were a very stoic player and, and that made you feel in control because it, it sounds like outside of the football field, you, you felt like you didn't have control of your emotions and maybe like, may, maybe it was, uh, you know, rage or inadequacy or sadness or, you know, any of those, you know, that we all kind of those negative dark emotions that we all kind of cycle through. And you were able to put those away when you stepped onto the football field. And yeah. I kind of was, I was the other way. I was still very stoic on the football field. Um, but I would get like, I was a straight up savage. Like I would, I, I didn't care. Like I, I would like, I went to a very dark place a lot of times. Like, like I would imagine like very, very bad things sometimes. And I, like, I played angry a lot of times, but it was like, that was my, that was my safe place to be like violent and to be like, you know, like I, like if I, if I was blocking you, like my, my, my goal was not just to block you. My goal was to take your will to continue to play. Like that was my goal. By the end of the game, I wanted you to not want to line up against me for another play. Like that was my goal every single time, you know? (laughs) like and but the same way like I didn't I didn't talk to people I didn't I didn't talk I didn't talk smack I didn't but I just I just I would bury guys pick them up bury them pick them up bury them pick them up like that was and I wanted it to be like by the end of the game they're like slapping my hand away because it because they they just got tired of me burying them like you know but I was like that came from a very like that felt like the only safe place that I could let my rage out you know so it's, it's kind of interesting like the the it's like this weird cathartic space, but everybody finds it cathartic in different ways. Like for you, it was where you felt in control. For me, it felt like it was like where I could let my rage out and I could be uncontrolled a little bit, you know, yeah. I had to learn to control it. So I didn't get penalties and I didn't do, <laughs> I didn't do dumb things that were going to hurt my team, you know, but um, you know, I'm very proud of the fact I got called for one holding one holding in college. One? I got oh. called. So yeah, I only held once, my man. conference. You I only held no. I only held once. That only ever <laughs> happened one time in in four years, and only ever happened one time because if the refs didn't call it, it didn't happen. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you damn offensive lineman! Get on I my was, nerves, dude. I I would do any, I would do anything to get my block, man. If it meant like grabbing the back of your ankle while I'm throwing a cut block, like I don't care. I, <laughs> I had no. I was so Machiavellian on the field, man. Any means necessary. I did not care. I was, you know, whatever it took to get the job done. <laughs> You know, I, I think just having this, like being able to connect with you like this, like I, there's definitely, I try to get along with all my teammates, you know, um, because out, off the field, it's a completely different relationship. Um, yeah. But like here, like not, but so the, the players that I would go against who were just like you, I'd always feel like it was always a good stalemate. Like you weren't talking shit, but you were trying to fucking kill me. And I wasn't saying a word. I was just going to fucking just like, it's a chess match for me. Like, all right, you're going to give me this time. You're going to give me this time. I'm going to figure it out. That one time, that one time, I'm just going to look at you. I'm not going to say a word. I'm just like, (laughs) gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And that, and that one, and that one look would be the one that would sit in my, in my, in my head and just, that would be my rage trigger for the rest of the practice. Right. Like I saw that look, I saw that, I saw that. We might have to go throw some pads on Jordan. Yeah, man. Oh, God, no, I'm, too, I'm too old for, I'm too old for that, man. You're, you're, you're 12 years younger than me, bro. Like that would be, that would be bad. It would be oh, ugly. God. I can barely, I can barely hold a good three point stance anymore, but uh <laughs> You know, I'm the guy who does 30 minutes worth of kettlebell exercises. You know, it's specific adaptation to impose demands. I'm, I'm well, (laughs) I'm well trained in the, in the, I'm well trained in the areas that I'm training in. I do actually, uh, I do actually want to 
pull a little bit more on your thread about like pain-free movement, because like, that's something in my sport, which you're just discovering. Right. But yeah. like, one of the things I love about kettlebell sport is, um, you have to be able to, to achieve positions in a comfortable manner. So range of motion, joint stability, mobility, flexibility are super, super important in this sport. So like for me, like I actually have a, a spreadsheet that's called unfucking Jordan's injuries because I have so many old injuries and I've got like, I've got like a group of, a group of movement therapists and people that I work with that are helping me try and like restore mobility in my elbow that I dislocated so many times playing, you know, or hyperextended so many times playing football and like, like all the old, all the old injuries. Like I'm trying to get rid of those things because I, I did so much damage, but I'm trying to restore normal pain-free movement. So like, that's something that you're trying to bring to your training philosophy. Like how, what's your approach to that? Like, how do you go about like, I don't, I don't want to say diagnosing, I want to say assessing, um, assessing people's movement patterns and like, what's your approach to how do you, how do you go through that process with your athletes? So it, it, it all comes down to like I know best based off my own my own experience, right? Um, I've I've gone through the NASM and a couple other movement assessments, like overhead squatting, sing, uh, single leg squatting, all all these different movement assessments, and I really have to like my best way of evaluating and assessing is always asking like, is there pain? Like, uh, I used to accept pain as just part of the part of the thing. You know, like this is just normal. Your knees are supposed to feel like you're an old person when you when you squat. It's, which no, is, it's normal to have knee pain when you squat, which is a completely asinine thing to accept. That is BS, the biggest BS ever. So when I'm when I'm talking when I when I share the story and when I I do people's programming because I I do program mainly full body movements um, to improve overall function. It is like always assess like is this pain or is this activation and i have a lot of people who are athletes who avoid deadlifting avoid compound lifts because they hear the horror stories i hurt my back squatting or deadlifting mm. or i can't yeah. squat because of my knees yeah. and all these things and I like, get the, the squats hurt my knees is like no the way you squat hurts your knees yeah the way <laughs> so you do that's, it that's my always my counter so it's always about like first i always start with a, a, a overhead squat assessment evaluate knees, hips, ankle movement. Um, and if, and after the initial assessment, we do, I do prescribe like corrective exercises, like 90, 90 stress, combat stress to work on mobility, but almost all my programs have mobility in them to address, um, pain-free movement because so many things that I did in through my sports in high school and college, we never focused on flexibility or mobility. It was always about more weight on the bar, more weight mm -hmm. on the uh, for the deadlifts or the kettlebell or whatever the hell we were doing that day, and like it's that that's where I got my like it doesn't matter if it hurts as long as I'm squatting heavier, you yeah. know. So when I bring it up to clients, they're like, "Yeah, my knees hurt, my back hurts." It's like, "All right, stop what we're doing." Like I don't care what we're in. You're gonna send most of my clients are online. They they they're gonna send me all of their lifts, super lightweight. I want to see what's going on. And then by looking at them, they'll like have oh, excessive forward lean, devalgus, um, ankles rising, all these issues that nobody is really talking about when they're in a sport or anything. Like no one, like I used to watch my teammates like squat and their knees would basically buckle in when they're doing a max out effort. And I was like, he stood up. That's a great rep right there. Yeah. He got, the, to, he got past parallel. Yeah, he got, but he stood the, up. the damage 
that yeah. I didn't wasn't aware of and that what current athletes former athletes are not aware of like it's so important to connect those dots yeah. to understand that when you do squat you're supposed to feel better the next day or like yes you'll feel sore sometimes like that's totally normal sore sore is sore is different that's a yeah, different sore thing. is different <laughs> yeah. it's we're not talking about joint agonized. we're talking about joint pain <laughs> yeah like so roundabout answer but I actually just talked to one of my, my clients uh, today about deadlifting. He's never deadlifted this much. And we only deadlift once a week, but he's a, a former football player, former baseball player, um, trying to get back into getting in shape and never deadlifted. So before we even touch weight, like we have to go through movement assessments. And now that we're starting to add weight, he's like, I'm starting to feel this in my back. And I'm really scared. So I have him send me a video and I look at it and like it's perfect form, neutral spine, hips, hip drive, lats stay activated. I was like, okay. So like I said before, is this pain or is this muscle activation? Are you scared of what you've heard from a 50 year old man who says he can't squat anymore because he hurt his back squat or deadlifting. And now you're just like assuming all pain is a sign of dysfunction. Like understanding that and reevaluating the pain threshold and understanding that there's a difference between pain and soreness and activation. There's a mm. lot of different things that go into it, but no one knows how to really read their, it's really hard to read your body as an athlete because you just give yourself for your sport so much that it's easy to, to just shove it off. It's like, oh, I'm just being soft or something yeah. like that. You know, I'm, I'm nodding so hard. You can probably hear it on the microphone, but it's, uh, <laughs> you know, for the people that are just hearing the audio, like, that is such a huge thing. And I think you touched on a really important thing that it's so funny because athletes are so proprioceptive of that. Like people that are really high on the athletic athletic performance spectrum are so highly proprioceptive that when you cue them the right way, they're really good at tuning into their body and finding feedback. And yet we're conditioned from such a young age to ignore the the proprioceptive feedback or we're told we tell a coach a thing and like you're told you're told oh yeah that's normal or don't worry about that or like like I can't tell you how many times like playing playing sport playing junior tackle like you'd be like coach my head hurts and they'd be like oh yeah that yeah that happens you just rung your bell don't worry about it like just take a take a minute and you'll you'll be okay you know and like like all of those things like you're you're basically told you're conditioned from a young age to to ignore one of your greatest strengths as an athlete, which is that your body, you're in tune with your body and your body tells you a lot of things and you're able to take that feedback and adjust your performance in space and in real time as a result of that. That's what athleticism to me is basically defined as, is the ability to take proprioceptive feedback and perform in real time, right? Like that's, that, that's athleticism, you know, and athletes are so great at that. And yet we're conditioned to be really good at parts of that proprioception, the parts that lead to high performance on the field and ignore the parts that are, are all of the consequence of that performance. Right. And that's yeah. like, we, we sacrifice so much of our, of our ability to tune into our body and the feedback that we get and, and ignore the pain parts of it so that we can go back out and practice the next day or get back into practice or get back into the game or, you know, all of those things. And I think that that also leads into like why athletes get hurt and then they like feel like a, a, a they feel like shit because they can't go out there because they're, they're oh you failed I, you fa failed. I failed I failed my team I failed like I failed everyone my body let me down yeah in <laughs> reality know? it's it's a bunch of little things that you haven't been able to pay attention to 
because we're conditioned not to listen to it. I mean, I, that, this could be even related to nutrition for athletes. Like they get so like there's, I think there's one of two athletes. One has the help from a young age, understands nutrition, um, that food is fuel or the other one that you just, I'm athletic. So I get to eat whatever the hell I want. And I was definitely that one eating whatever the hell I want. But I, like, as I've learned more and more about nutrition, like, like you said, athletes are very proprioceptive, proprioceptive and can, uh, can adjust their body based off of feedback. Our body, when it comes to nutrition, does the same thing with biofeedback. And we don't, we forget how to listen to that, like hunger, sleep levels, uh, energy. Uh, what else is there? The amount of times you take a shit a week is yeah, all. Digestion, yeah. <laughs> like, totally. All of those things are, are how we communicate, but we're never taught to understand this. Like food is just food. And if I don't, if I poop once or twice a week, that's just how I do it. It's like, there's no difference, you know? Well, the, the great, the great and terrible thing about human beings, right? The reason human beings are the top of the evolutionary chain is not because we're the strongest, right? Cheetahs are faster than we are. Bears are stronger than we are. Sharks, you know, swim better than we do, right? But the reason, the reason we're still the top of the evolutionary food chain on this, on this planet is, is because we're the most adaptable. It was never survival of the fittest. It was survival of the most adaptable. Mm -hmm. And because we're so adaptable, we're, we're great at that. But the problem with that is, again, the double-edged sword thing, um, we can adapt to terrible situations and, and it becomes our new baseline. We don't even think of it as, as being abnormal anymore. We just recalibrate to whatever baseline we're, we experience over and over and over again. And now that's just our new normal. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, hey, you're living in prison and that's okay. Well, that's the new normal. At a certain point, that becomes your new normal, right? Or whatever. Yeah. Like, there are so many things and we can, you, you can get used to like, oh yeah, I only poop twice a week. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, wait, what? Like, you know, people that, that people that go regularly are like, wait, that's crazy to me. Like, they're like, yeah, that's just how my body's been for years. And you're like, and then you get you, you as a, as a nutrition coach, get that person, you know, going regularly. And they're like, oh my God, I feel so much better. You know, or you get somebody, you get somebody who's been sleeping five hours a week up to like seven, you know, or five hours a night up to seven hours a night. And they're like, oh my God, you know, or like, you know, one of what one it's of, like. One of my, one of my friend one of my friends, you know, he and I were just, were just talking about this, how like, you know, when, when you were abusing, when we were abusing our bodies, you know, post-college drinking all the time and like drinking heavily and smoking and all of those things, like you, you just get used to kind of, you don't even realize how shitty you feel until like you quit smoking, you quit drinking, you start taking care of yourself, you start working out again. And then it's like, all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I feel so much better. And then like, you have one of those weekends where you like go back and party like you're 22 and you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I did this to myself. Like, how did I ever live this way? <laughs> you know, like, but that's just like how, that's how crazy it is that like how well we can acclimate to even like terribly destructive, like nutrition habits, physical habits, mental habits, like all of those things, like we can adapt to anything. Like you can tell yourself you're worthless over and over and over again. And like, that seems normal, you know, mm -hmm. because that's just your internal dialogue. And it's not until you have a coach telling you like, Hey, you probably shouldn't talk to yourself like that. Like, would you talk to one of your friends like that? And you're like, no, I would never talk to my friends like that. Like, then why do you talk to yourself like that? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, like my coach told me that. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. I would never talk to one of my athletes that way. Well, then why do you talk to yourself that way? 
I don't know. It's just normal. I never thought of that. <laughs> I've just kind of always assumed I'm an asshole. <laughs> you know, like it's just crazy how much we can we can acclimate to those those types of things. Dude, definitely. And now that you you kind of bring up like how we adapt to just new normal mindset is also a giant, really, really big point for me, you know. Um, because I've been on the, the lowest of the low um, with negative self-talk, depression, suicidal thoughts, um, that normal is just something from my own experience and other people that I, I've talked to in this, like it feels like a bottomless pit that no matter how hard you try, the walls are greased up and they want you to stay down there, you know, because of that negative self-talk. Mm. and. I was not fortunate. I was not fortunate enough to have someone really extend a hand to get me out of the hole. I had to really figure it out by myself and it sucks so much. I mean, just that, that saying you said, like, would you tell your best friend that like, it's such a great, like kind of switch to help people and start getting out of the, those negative habits because yeah. then they realize that like, Oh my God, like how do I wouldn't treat this person like that? Why do I treat myself this way? And it won't fix the problem. No, like it right takes away. it takes it takes effort. It's it it's takes like a, a lot of effort. And, and and honestly, it's one of those things. Uh, f- like for me at least, I've had to accept the fact that it's like this is lifelong for me, right? Like mm-hmm. I I can't I can't ever stop doing the work because I have the addict's brain, and you know, at a certain point, like if I stop putting in the work, I'll backslide, right? It ju- it just like I, I've had to I've had to accept that fact, and that's where like my whole like personal motto and mantra has come from, like grow every day grow or die because that's that's like that's what it is for me like that that's literal for me like if i don't if i stop i'm going to backslide and it's going to be bad dude that, i want to get that tattooed on me grow or die folks Vo- eller do man that's that's our that's our motto right so it's uh it's 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 honestly it's it's funny because um i i picked it up from my my first kettlebell client here in the in the twin cities greg anderson he's a legend he's awesome he showed up to he showed up to one of our training sessions and he was wearing a shirt that said books eller duh and i was like I was like, what is, I was like, I, I, I can read Norwegian, but I don't speak it. I was like, I was like, what is that? What does that mean? He's like, oh, it's grow or die is what it means. And I was like, oh my God, like <laughs> mind, <laughs> mind blown, you know, and it's like, I went down a hole, I went down a whole rabbit hole. Like I was actually going to call this podcast, the grow or die podcast, but there's another podcast called the grow or die podcast, really? which is yeah. Justin Mahaley, who's a, who's a bodybuilding oh, coach, and a yeah. high, high level know, bodybuilding yeah. coach. Right. And that's yeah. how I ended up connecting with Jason Phillips, which is how you and I get connected. Cause, cause Jason Phillips is the founder of NCI. We're both NCI certified nutrition coaches. Like, you know, and that like, but like crazy coincidences like that, like it's, it's always interesting to me, like how the universe like stacks up sometimes, you know, those, those coincidences. It's, it's all, it's no, actually, no coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence anymore. I think it's just like something that we're attracting. I don't know how much of the law of attraction you, you, uh, I'm very, familiar. I'm, I'm very familiar. Good, good. I, I'm, good. A, I'm a natural, I'm a natural skeptic, but I, I, but I do, I do believe in a lot of those principles, right? Like I, I yeah. I, oh, I, me too, dude. I knew, I knew we were more connected on this than, than like, we're basically the same person just in Colorado and Minnesota. <laughs> oh, and I, you know, I probably got about a hundred pounds on you and you have like twice as many visible abs as me, but you know, that's a, that's a whole other hey, thing. It's okay. More to love. That's all that matters. <laughs> we're getting, we're getting there, man. I'm going to, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I'll, I'll stop having to Photoshop your body onto, 
onto my head soon. <laughs> just give me like a, give me like a year or two. That's all. <laughs> oh God! Oh, what? Well, you're dropping down to two thirty for your weight. Yeah, class? that's yeah, that's that's the that's the that's the goal for uh for my my competition here in the Twin Cities in October. I'm I'm working with with Samantha. Um, so she's uh, she's helping coach me, and uh, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna drop down another. Well, as of this morning, I guess thirty-ish pounds. Um, so, yeah, that's the that's the goal. Um, hopefully, man. I can hit that by October, and if not, I'll, I'll get it then for the next, you know, another competition. Because I, I, I'm committed to doing it the right way. That's the oh, one thing yes. I said. I'm like, I'm not gonna, <clears throat> I'm not gonna sacrifice my long-term health for the sake of uh, looking like Jonah Mitchell when I take my shirt off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> I, mean, I keep I keep roasting you about that because of your profile picture, man. It's That's okay. I can't, I can't, That's okay. I can't, I can't help it. You've earned that though. So oh, uh, thank it's, you. It's, now, it's, I it's, hope it's I good. get a bunch more clicks now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're gonna get some thirsty DMs at the very at the very least, you know. So uh, <laughs> not that you're not that you're hurting for those, I'm sure. Yeah, I just had to go in and I mean I'm married, so I show them to my wife all the time and she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> but it was honestly, it was her idea to throw that profile picture up there. Well, you know, cause yeah. she's a good marketing mind. She knows what's up. Like it, there's You're no, goddamn right she is. <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about it, man. Like the, it gets people's attention. Anything that stops the scroll. I mean, like even me, like I'm, I'm married with two kids and I was like, God damn, that guy's in shape. Holy crap. I got to check out. Like, <laughs> like, look at this guy. Holy shit. So, you know, you know, I tell my wife, she doesn't have to worry about other women. Me leaving the world, what other women? It's other dudes who look. The other dudes are the oh. aggressive, the aggressive ones. Yeah, that is, that is true. I, I, I will, I will say, as somebody that's gone out in Boys Town a few times in Chicago with some of my friends, like uh, I apparently fit the bear profile pretty strongly. And that is, that, you know, I've never felt more, I've never felt more attractive than, than going out, than going out in, in Boys Town a few times. So. Oh man, you know, hey, that's a good. If, if I think if gay men find you attractive, that's the ultimate like compliment i think it's a that's good a it's a one. it is a it is a very good compliment I, it's, it's awesome and honestly like boys town if boys town is a blast if you've never gone yeah. on boys town in chicago oh god it is a blast it is super super <laughs> It is super fun. Don't do don't do that. it on Pride weekend because it's it, then it's like crazy. It's like off the charts <laughs> eleven crazy. But uh, like any other weekend, it is a it is a great great time. It really it really is. So oh man, I, I don't I'm, think anything can compare to this podcast I've been on. I've had a great time with you here, Jordan. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it, man. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you with just a, a really easy question, um, and I say that completely sarcastically. So who yeah. are you? Who are you now? Because you you've we've talked about how losing the identity of, of being a football player is, uh, you know, is a major, is a major loss, but who is Jonah Mitchell now? Like, what is, what is your identity now? And how have you, how have you come to that identity? That is a great question. And I hate you for it. Cause now <laughs> I have to like concise my, my ping pong mind into one little thing. So uh, we got time, man. You don't have to be <laughs> concise, but just, just, you know, lay it on me, brother. This is a question that I am constantly forging every single day. Like you mentioned, like it's a, it's a lifelong relationship with your mental health. It's also, I also have a lifelong relationship with my mental health. I do something for myself to make sure I don't slide back into those old negative behaviors every, every day. So who I am now is one, I'm a coach. Um, I'm a I would never have admitted this when I was playing football because I never believed it, but I am a leader and I, I believe in the betterment of everybody around me, competition or otherwise, 
like I am growing away from the scarcity mindset of I can't have the good things in life and other people aren't supposed to have those things as well. So I am a completely different person than I used to be. I am still an athlete, but I am better in almost every way than I, that I could possibly hope when I was in, in the lowest stages of my life. And it's a constant journey. You know, I, I, I don't know who I'm going to be five years from now. Well, that actually, I kind of do, but you have it, a vision for it, but you don't know concretely for sure. Who yeah, you know. I have, probably be I have different when you get there in five years. I can tell exactly. you that from being from being a little bit older than you, I can tell you who you think you're going to be in five years. You <laughs> should have a clear vision of that, but who you actually show up to be in five years will probably be different because the experience of the unpredictable is exactly that. It's unpredictable. So exactly. And I I'm I'm used to I'm one who thrive who thinks he thrives off of chaos. Like I don't like organizing, I don't like planning because I feel like if you have a plan and it goes wrong, like what the fuck was the plan for anyway, you know, but that's also a part that I'm always working on is because I, I do understand the value of a plan. And even but your if wife things, does too. Yeah, oh, <laughs> as, my, the, as, as the media, as a social media player, I'm sure dude, she, she probably values the plan very yeah, much. Like, yeah. Jonah, get on the, the plan. <laughs> she is the yin to my yang because everything perfect. I'm not, she is. <laughs> that's awesome. That's perfect, man. That's same for, same for, same for me, man. Same oh, for God. me. It's a good relationship, man. But yeah, I, this this is definitely a a question that I would love to answer again in like a year or two because I'm sure it will change. I, yeah. I I am I with I, I mean this in the, the least like up my own ass term ever, but I I am a, trying to be a visionary for people like me and anyone else who wants who is in a similar boat or anyone else who just has no relation to me whatsoever with athletics, but just wants to improve their health, their mindset, their, their overall life. I want to be the person, or I'm trying to be the person that clears, clears the way of all the BS and mm -hmm. really makes people realize that no matter how shitty it is, and trust me, I know shitty, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And it's, it's always a process. And I've, I've had to come to terms with it. I, I still have those days where I'm frustrated where I'm not because I'm not where I want to be. But then I always find my center again to like get back moving in the right direction. That's the biggest thing that I want to teach people is as long as you get back on the horse, no matter what it is, you are never too far gone. And it's a, it's an ongoing process, man. I hope that answered your question. But yeah, dude, that's love awesome. It. No, I I love it. I know that's a that's a that's a tough question. It's intentionally a tough question. So I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll ask you an, I'll ask you an easier one as a follow up though because you touched on it. Um, you work with athletes, you know, as as your as your primary focus, but you also said that that like it's not just athletes. So it sounds like you kind of have a similar philosophy as me, as which is everyone is an athlete to some level or another. Oh yeah, wholeheartedly. I I I run a. I run a challenge called the athlete for life and you you've seen my posts. It's directly targeted to people who understand what it's like to be an athlete, you know? Yeah. But my first challenge about like 60% of them were never an athlete, but the idea of it excited them. Like when I asked people, 
when they, when they come to me, like, I, what, what is your physical goals? Oh, I want to be toned. I want to feel good. I want to look fit. It's like, okay, for a lack of a better, since you're not being concise, do you want to look like an athlete? And they're like, yeah, that's exactly what I want. I want to mm-hmm. look like I, I can run around and play sports. So to me, we're all athletes. So yeah, some of us were able to get it, get our, our itch scratched in little league and middle school. And we just carry that along, but everyone's able to have a, a higher appropriate. It, you don't have to be on a field or a court or, or a platform to be considered an athlete. I mean, just understanding your body, it may put you in such a advantage uh, of your life. It, for I don't th- I don't know if I'm putting that right, but I'll, I'll end this. I'll end with I'll end this question with this: Fitness and nutrition is my life, and I love that. But for most people, it, it's not the biggest part of their life, and I don't want it to be. I want it to amplify their life, make mm-hmm. them understand that your your health, your fitness will lead to bigger impacts in the relationships with your family and the relationships with your business or your, 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 your partners or whoever, whatever you're doing, your health amplifies all of those things. And I've had to learn that the hard way. And now that I'm on the other side, I I know like, Holy crap. (laughs) Yeah. It's so valuable. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's yeah. That is, that is awesome. I love that. Um, I think that's, I think that's huge, right? Like understanding that everybody is an athlete, you know, because our species was designed to move, like that's how we evolved, right? So everybody, everybody's an athlete to some degree or another. And the more you, the more you can train that way and act that way and eat that way and take care of yourself that way, like you'll thrive, right? You'll, you'll be able to perform better in every aspect of your life. So that's, that's awesome. I love that philosophy. I love, and it's the, it's the athlete for life challenge, right? And that's, that's, that's what you're Nice. Yes, sir. Athletes so how do, how, how do, how do people, how do people get at you? How do they, how do they follow you? Where, where can they, where can they see this profile picture that I keep, that I keep <laughs> referencing? How can they, how can they find you on social media, follow you and how can they reach out to you? Uh, so Jonah Mitchell uh, on Facebook, uh, Jonah Mitchell underscore fitness on Instagram. That's where I, I am most uh, active on. I do have Twitter. Uh, it's Jonah M fit because my, my name, because it has long. to be under 140 characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, not very active on, on, on Twitter, but if you want to get a hold of me, it's Facebook or, or, uh, Instagram. Yeah, I recently and, just gave up on Twitter for that reason. I was like, okay, good, it's, good. Not my, it's just not my Twitter is weird. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it's an, it it's a very dark space. It's, it's an, yeah. angry, it's an angry kind of negative space. It's not my jam, but are, are you on a clubhouse? No, no, not yet. I've, I've, I keep hearing about it and I'm not, I'm, I'm only vaguely familiar. I, I guess you've got to get invited. Yeah. I got to get your number. Cause I got a bunch of invites. So okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to start my own like podcast, um, through that because that's basically what it is. It's just podcast, um, okay. without the equipment that I do not have <laughs> like you. <laughs> well, this is just a vocal mic I have from my singing days. So that's, that's all, that's all, that's all that oh, is. You're a singer? Oh, oh yeah. man. That's yeah, a great yeah. conversation for another day. Yeah, that's a whole other. <laughs> that's a whole other. That's a whole other thing. I actually I sang the national anthem uh, at senior day for my 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 uh, college football my, my at, at senior day at, at Luther College the last uh, on senior day. So I actually sang the national anthem in my uniform and then went and, and then went and played 
and went and played in the game. So wow, that was yeah, that was cool. Dude, it was the worst, awesome, the worst I've ever done on a national anthem because I was so amped for the game yeah. that I was like I couldn't like I couldn't control my I couldn't control my my tone nearly as well as I normally could. I was so nervous, like not for the singing but for the game, and I'd never done that before, and I didn't I didn't. I was not prepared for how amped I was going to be. So it was like my worst national anthem I've ever sang, but, uh, whose idea was that? Was that yours? I got asked to, it was actually the, it was actually the, uh, the, the media department at the school's idea. Um, you know, cause, cause I was a four, I was in choir my entire life. And, uh, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a whole thing, but, uh, yeah, it was the, the media department for, for Luther college asked, asked me to do it on senior day since I was a senior and I was a four year, four year choir and four year football player. They thought that was a kind of a cool thing. So. Wow. You're yeah, a dope cool. dude, man. <laughs> I, I certainly, I certainly try to be. So <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, man, it's great. It's great to meet you. I like, like you said, like, I, I feel like we're, we're, we're going to be, we're going to be friends for a long time. So like, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. super, I'm super glad. I'm super glad we connected. I'm super glad I met you. Um, I'm definitely going to invite you back on the podcast. Cause we got, we got more, we got more things to talk about and we'll connect, we'll connect offline. Cause I feel like there's a lot of things that, that we could cross over on and, and do some work on. So and I gotta yeah, get, dude. I gotta get you on the platform platform uh lifting some bells too because i want to oh. see i want to see what you could do with with a with a couple of kettlebells i want to see i want to see the athleticism expressed on the platform we'll see how that we'll see how that goes i'm uh, uh it's gonna it's gonna humble you and challenge you and then you're gonna love it <laughs> i tell you right now. you're, gonna, you're gonna i be already like, know it's gonna be hard you're, you're, you're gonna be like you're gonna be like oh my god this is so hard i have to get better at this it's, <laughs> it's yeah, i'm gonna get you hooked it's gonna be awesome i love it I love it too, dude. Yeah, watching you today, I was like, man, that's so graceful the way he does it. But I, I'd be more than happy to, man. A big I've chubby dancing bear. <laughs> yeah, man. And you're out in Boulder. I've I love like I love Boulder. I've I've uh, I've climbed the uh, the flat irons um, back there. I've hiked, hiked the flat irons. That's I nice. love Boulder. Boulder's a Boulder's a beautiful beautiful city. So. Dude, uh, I, I've got, I've got family, I've got family out there. So I'm, I'm oh, hoping, man. I'm hoping to come out to mile high to catch a, to catch a game. Um, when, when we're allowed to travel and, and go see football again. So, uh, my mile high is definitely on the list. I'll hit you up the next time I'm out in Colorado for sure. Dude, you better. We'll, 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 sling, we'll sling, we'll sling some iron. I promise. Yes, sir. I love it. Well, yeah, this has been an awesome experience. Like you said, we're going to, we're going to do a lot of cool stuff together. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Jordan. This is good awesome. Good to talk to you, man. I appreciate you. Have a good night, brother. You too, man. All right, peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Platform Podcast. I'm Jordan Kundi Wright. If you have a question, please email me at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub, on Twitter at TCKBClub, online at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com, And please help us grow our reach and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.